the Suicide Prevention Show. We are waking up the world with the power of positivity and making suicide, especially teen suicide, a thing of the past. This session is very near and dear to my heart. If you've heard of the spectrum, the spectrum has to do with autism. And the challenge with autism is that we don't necessarily understand where it comes from or how to treat it. And my next guest is an expert. And we're going to talk about a connection, drawing the line between two dots that are not normally discussed in the same conversation. Those two dots are allergies and autism. So the allergy spectrum connection is where we're going. And I want you to help me welcome into the studio. There we go. Hey, how are you? Very good, thank you. I listened to the chakra, it was very good. Ah, very nice show. <laughs> I, I, I love the fact that you were able to be in early enough to actually catch some of the other speakers. It's one of the greatest gifts of this is that the speakers interact with each other, they interact with the VIPs, and you guys are nothing short of amazing. I just am so delighted. Okay, so please first tell everyone where you're from and where you are today, because let's just take care of that. Okay, from the beginning, from the beginning, I live in Hallandale, uh, South Florida on the border to Miami, uh, originally from Sweden. I have traveled the world a little bit though. Just I, a little. Just a little. Like Bangladesh and Venezuela. That was my, especially Venezuela. Okay. I so, came here 30 years ago, so I'm almost a native. I'm going to pause and actually, we're going to pick up right where we were. <laughs> On your journey that led you to Miami, what was the professional journey that you went on? Let's get, let's let people get to know you. And I want to first just say your name is pronounced Inga. Yeah. Okay. Inga with a Y. Yes. <laughs> well, my first education was as a chemical engineer many, many <laughs> years ago. <laughs> and uh, in Venezuela, I was, um, I had a workshop, I had a ceramic workshop. I was an artist and an artisan. Loved every minute on it, uh, but things changed. So I came here and I was going to continue do, to do artwork and uh, I tripped and broke my wrist in five, five places. Ooh. So I went to acupuncture because I always liked acupuncture. And um, there was a school in Miami and I signed up. <laughs> and that's how that happened. And I have not looked back. I was a little old when I graduated. I'm still working. <laughs> so say that again, because you were how old when you graduated? 58. So this is really key, because for many of us, we come into our own at a certain age. And we are never too old to find our purpose and to get on purpose. So this is lovely. You went from chemical engineer to acupuncture. And an artist in between. 
and an artist in between. So what's art got to do with it? It allows us to transition with more grace. I didn't hear you froze. I said, what's art got to do with it? And it allows us to transition with more grace from one thing to another. At least that's what it seems like when I talk with you, that the art made it easier to go from left brain to more right brain. I think I've always been right brain and um, the difficulty is to be a little more brain left, but um, <laughs> I don't miss that. <laughs> cool. All right. So let's see. What, what is it that I wanted to talk with you about? It was really amazing because when we first met and you were telling me, you have something called an allergy kit. And I'm like, Okay, how can that, you know, where does that connect with the other conversation about autism? And, and then we're going to talk a little bit about what that's like to have a powerful tool that most people don't understand. It is really good <laughs> because it does help. Uh, I can't say that it helps every autistic child, but every child on the spectrum, whether it is ADD, ADHD, or, or autism, or something in between, they all have allergies and digestive problems. And um, very many parents are not aware of the connection between autism and diet. I, I'm going to talk a little bit about Ant, uh, Anthony, who uh, bought my kit about three years ago, maybe four, almost. And uh, he is a young um, man who, uh, who was brought up on Coca-Cola and fast food and pizzas and all these things that I think made him worse. And uh, at four, he was diagnosed with, with autism and put in a, in a school for autism. But... Um, and at eight, of course, he went to normal school, but he always had problems because he still ate these foods. He had problems with his parents, with his peers, with his teachers, because he also wanted attention. So he behaved not so good. And he had these anger and outbursts. All these things are really coming from, from uh, allergic reactions. How would somebody know that? I mean, these are the foods of our culture. Yes. That has to change. <laughs> <laughs> so for anybody who didn't hear that, yeah, that has to change. It is true. Um, I think most problems, we can take depression and suicide. That also this young man, he was so bullied that he decided at one point to take his life. Luckily, he, he, the cops picked him up before that happened. But depression comes from the gut. For example, the feel-good hormone serotonin, they are probably made at least 90% are made in the gut. And then there are good bacteria that travels along the, the, the up to the brain. <laughs> and uh, if there is a bad gut, 
this cannot happen. You don't get the, the uh, good feel hormones. The same with dopamine, that's 50% is made in the gut. Okay, so now you're throwing out some statistics that I wanna highlight. 80% of serotonin? Or 90 or more. Okay, so more than 80% of serotonin is created in our digestive system, in our gut, and over 50% of dopamine. Yes. All right, so that puts a different light on the power of our digestive system to regulate mood. Absolutely. It, it actually gives rise to this whole concept of emotional eating, but emotional eating is often foods that um, are comfort foods. Yes, and often you are allergic to that food or sensitive or whatever you want to call it, so you crave it. Okay, so we crave what's not good for us. Yes, for example, we can take wheat and milk that have uh, uh, reactions Casein has um, morpheo, what is it, casein, morpheo. It turns into morpheo-like reactions in our brain. That's why we get addicted, because we feel good. The same with gluten and wheat. In, in, in wheat, it's gluten that has this morpheo-like reaction. And that's why sometimes I talk to, to a patient and, and say, well, you have to go off of wheat. What? No. Don't take away my bread. No, I can't do it. They can't do it, they think. So it is, if they don't have the kit, it's very hard. With the kit, at least it helps with the cravings. Okay. So the, the fact that there is something really simple that people can get that will help with the cravings and make it easier to make the changes if they need to be made. And so knowing what somebody's individual balance is and what's actually good for them and what is challenging for their systems. This is an important conversation. When, when did you first get that there was this connection between the spectrum, which is either ADHD or autism, the, the spectrum is used to describe both. When did you get the connection between that spectrum and allergies? Well, when I graduated in 95, I started to treat, you know, I opened my acupuncture clinic and treated people with acupuncture. And some people did not have the response that I was looking for and they were looking for. And that's why I started to, to research and, and go to tons of, of different uh, seminars and courses and found that allergies was a, a big link between a lot of things like aches and pains. And okay, like aches and pains. Yes. How is how do allergies, which we I think of as being you know, upper sinus, you know, up here, this is where I experience allergies. My eyes get red, my nose runs, and I sneeze. Yes. So um, that is what, what people think it is, but it definitely affects your your digestive system, and you know all the meridians. If you look at the meridians where they are going. They are all over the head. The gallbladder is all over the head and, and, and large intestine over the shoulders and arms. And okay, so we got to back this up for just a second. Meridians are, and from my understanding, because I studied um, Ohashiatsu, which is an Eastern healing art based in Chinese medicine, they're the energy channels that run through the body. 
Yes. And so when we're talking about them, you know, I mean, I used to have a doll, I don't have it anymore, that had all of these pathways mapped out uh, on, the, on the whole body. And energy is supposed to flow. Yes. And what you're saying is that when we're exposed to something that we are allergic to or sensitive to, depending on the language you espouse, it blocks up the energy flow? It affects, it affects the digestive system more because everything okay. comes from the digestive system and everything is connected with the chakras and all the things we just heard about. And for example, I had a patient, he only came like once or twice a year to, for me to fix his neck. And one day he crawled in and on a January morning, it had been, it was pretty cold here in Florida for being Florida. He had somebody to help him. He couldn't drive, he couldn't walk with a sciatica, uh, sciatic attack. Ooh. And I did four different acupuncture treatments on him. Nothing helps. And then it occurred to me to ask him if he drinks coffee because coffee I know is a gallbladder uh, irritant and the sciatica is, runs around the gallbladder meridian. And you said, okay. well, it's funny that you say that because this morning, since it was cold, my, my chef, my boss gave me a double Cuban coffee. Two hours later, he turned to pull down a box and that's how far he got. Shock, he couldn't move. I treated him for an allergy to coffee and like this, it went away. Got it. So to go from totally incapacitated with pain, because I've had some sciatic, and to go from that to having it totally go away, once it was recognized and treated as an allergy to coffee. Yeah. This is like waving a magic wand. And it's one of the challenges, I think, with the understanding. Once you understand how these systems work together, sudden onset and sudden cure can balance each other out pretty quickly. Yes. Somebody wrote they can't hear. Is there ah, okay. So that's the, the volume on your microphone. So if you can move your microphone, if it's independent, move it closer to you. Thank you for letting us know. Is this better? Much. Okay. Okay. So that's what the challenge was. We had a problem with distance even though this is supposed to take up from six feet. Yeah, well, from six feet and reality. So you can just, you can set it down probably close to you. Just, you don't have to hold it up, but see if that works. I had it, I had it just here. So how is it now? Okay, it's better when you hold it. Yeah, I think so. It's something is not right, right, but I'll hold it. Oh, that's immediately better. Yay, thank you for letting us know. Okay, so. The conversation about coffee, ha ha ha. I ended the last year coffee free. So, and I grew up drinking coffee from a very young age. Um, but coffee is not everybody's allergy. It's no. just some people's allergy. Exactly. Everybody, we are all different. So, but yeah, my daughter is screaming in the chat. No, not coffee. <laughs> But everybody doesn't react to it. Yeah. Okay. So how can somebody start to, to figure this out as far as what's creating the symptom? 
because I'm hearing that it may not be so simple. I mean, who would have connected coffee with sciatica? Exactly. It was just something that flew into my head. But uh, normally, the thing is that you have to start somewhere. Mm -hmm. And for me, everybody should eat organic to start with. It's everybody should eat organic to start with. Okay. Because the glyphosate in Roundup affects our digestion. And it's seen more and more. Okay, so I'm going to break this down because it didn't come quite through clearly. You said in Roundup. You're talking about what I use to kill poison ivy. Yes, and what, what the big companies use to spray their fields. Like wheat, for example. A couple of days before harvesting, they spray the wheat fields with Roundup, with glyph that contains this glyphosate. This but it would kill the wheat too. I mean, it kills everything. Yes, it, they just don't want to have the leaves when they harvest. And, oh my God, really? And then the, the glyphosate goes straight up to the corn, to the kernels that we then eat. And they, so they are poisonous. So it's not so much the wheat that we're reacting to, it's the chemicals in the wheat for some people. For some people. And <clears throat> I think a lot of people are not gluten intolerant. They are toxic intolerant. Oh. Even though wheat per se is hard to digest. So it, it and it's not so good for the lining of the, of the gut either. But um, at least they can eat it and shouldn't eat it every day, but you can have it now and then. But if you're glu gluten intolerance and celiac, have celiac disease, for example, you should never ever touch wheat in any form. So it's an interesting thing that we've got the two different um, antagonists, if you will, in this drama. One being the food, whether it's wheat or dairy or coffee, and the other being the additives to the food from pesticides and fertilizers. Yes. And, and parsing out what you react to, what you're suggesting is that one way to parse that out is to look at organic alternatives yes. that have not been chemically treated. And then if you're still reacting, you know it's the food, not the chemical. Yeah. Got it. Okay, so I'm with you so far. Which is a good thing, because I can get really lost down this hole. I am a, um, an omnivore, you know, um, what they used to call, I live on the seafood diet. If I see food, I eat it. So I'm very eclectic in, in, in what I eat. And I know that not everyone has that flexibility. I won't call it a luxury because let me tell you, it can make making a decision about what I'm going to eat a challenge, but it's a flexibility that some people don't have. For those of us that are very flexible in our eating programs, it would be a huge emotional shift and mental shift for me to just say, I'm cutting this out of my diet. Oh, you mean wheat? You mean with the yeah. wheat? Well, with wheat or anything. Um, so your allergy kit, and this is not about selling a product, it's about me understanding a process, just so everybody knows. Your allergy kit, does it help 
someone figure out what maybe they might want to eliminate from their diet, as opposed to just going to the extreme of taking everything out. Yeah, no, of course you don't want to take everything out. Uh, the kit uh, contains, there is a basic kit that contains allergies or uh, substances that really everybody is more or less sensitive to. Oh. So, so, it's, so I have a basic kit that everybody does. Okay. And it, for example, the, and it's a treatment, it's homeopathic vials that you treat with a laser. You don't open the vials, you don't drink it or touch it or anything. Yeah, so people who don't understand that word, because it came out very fast. The word was homeopathic, meaning that having it in the vial is enough. Yes. Okay. So... For example, the first treatment you do is a treatment that has the energy or the frequencies of egg, chicken, milk, vitamin C, and parasites, because we are warm-blooded animals and we all have parasites, even though we don't see them. Well, yeah, I mean, it's sort of like good bacteria, yeah. Well, and parasites, parasites are not so good, but oh, yeah. And most people, though we don't know it, but we are, many of us are sensitive or allergic to the poop and the dead bodies of them. So, so even if it's not a, a way to directly detox you, it detoxes you from the reaction from them. Got it. Okay. So milk, eggs, milk, parasites, and there was one in the middle. Chicken. chicken. All right. Chicken is like the staple in many diets. Yes, and I, I don't know if you ha have time for another little uh, story about. Oh, absolutely. Tell me a story. I love stories. So I have, the, have the, was this little girl, she was three years old when she started, well, she was almost four. Her mother didn't want to do the kit herself. So she came to my clinic and I treated her. I treated her with the first vial. And when she came back, it was still weak. I do muscle testing. So I check, that's how I check. And I wish everybody would learn that muscle testing. It's not, it's not hard, it's just you have to practice. So she came back the second time and it was still weak. And then I tested her, muscle tested her for the different things in the vial. So for example, I treated her for, I, I tested her for egg yolk, for egg white, for chicken, for milk and for vitamin C. She was strong on everything but chicken. The, while she came, where the mother came with her in the first place is that she was covered with eczema from top to toe. Mm. Itchy eczema. Oof. And um, so she was, then the mother said, oh, that's all I give her. Okay, so I said, okay, I'm going to treat her for chicken. So, because I have a lot of vibes, so I treated her for just chicken asked the mother not to give her any for a couple of weeks and then come back. She came back, she doesn't had, didn't have one spot on her, totally gone. Wow, and okay. She, she's now eating chicken, but I think she's eating hopefully organic chicken. <laughs> so the reality is that when somebody has an allergy or a reaction to a substance, it's not a lifelong connection. It can be addressed and resolved yes. is what I'm hearing. 
And so many people are not feeling good, but they are used to not feeling good. Oh, yeah, we feel how we feel. This is good. Yeah, it's okay. And okay is not good. <laughs> okay, not good enough from, from your point of view. I got it. So what if everybody could just feel better? And that's part of what I wanted to talk about with you. Because we're all on the spectrum. I mean, when it comes to ADD, if you're not on the spectrum before you came into the electronic world, trust me, you will be. And this is culturally induced. The buzzes and the beeps and the notifications and the phones and the, you know, and, and, and so our brains are actually being changed to adapt to these um, stimuli. I did a study and I realized that in the 1950s, a movie had you shift your attention at this speed. And now 70 years later, a movie has a shifting our attention like this. We are training our brains to be attention deficit. Meaning that we, if we don't have something distracting us, we go looking for something to distract us. So we're distraction dependent is my language. When it comes to that being the culturally induced norm, dialing that down by understanding the role of food and allergies and sensitivities would be of a great help because I cannot, I don't know about you, but I cannot get people to unplug. Well, and that is a big problem because a lot of people, and I think more and more, are getting allergic to electromagnetic fields. And one of the things that I recommend people, especially with children and especially with kids on the spectrum, is to turn off the Wi-Fi during the night. Because we are laying still and we are being bombarded with frequencies that we cannot see. That's an interesting thing because it's so, I like simple and obvious. That's simple and obvious. I have won the battle getting the cell phone and the cell phone charger out of the bedroom. Oh, it should never be there. It was a battle to get that done with my guy. And because his parents were elderly and he was concerned about missing the call, we, we had a, you know, just put it in the bathroom, put it behind a wall, put it behind a door, something. Very important. And so I'm glad I was on the right track with that. And even with all of my understanding, it never dawned on me to just turn off the Wi-Fi at night. I mean, that would be as simple as pulling the plug from the modem. Well, and there are even, you can put the timer on. It goes on at seven o'clock or whenever and goes off at 10 or something. Very easy. Very easy. All right. So that's really, really interesting. How would someone notice if it was making a difference, if this was a positive thing for them to turn off the Wi-Fi at night? What would they notice? Maybe they would sleep better. Maybe they would be more relaxed. Hmm. Cool. Maybe All right. there's, there's brain fog. So less less brain fog is a really good thing okay so step one turn off your wi-fi at night that was easy step two 
look at, are you challenging your body in one way or in two ways? If you're eating organic, you've eliminated one challenge. If you're not eating organic, you might be challenging your body in two ways. Am I right so far? Yes. Cool. All right. So simple and obvious. What's another simple and obvious thing that people can do? Stop eating sugar. Oh, hmm. <laughs> there are books about that. How to end the sugar addiction because we are addicted as a culture. And it is, it, it has so many consequences. And uh, for example, with my kid, uh, treatment for sugar is not, is the second treatment. Ah, okay. One, and once you have, because if you keep, if you still keep having cravings, you retreat with, with that, with the sugar. Mm -hmm. And once you don't crave sugar, then you can stop eating it and you can get rid of the candida, which I think all of us have. Because when you stop eating sugar, sugar, then the candida bacteria is sitting there down there and say, feed me, feed me, feed me, I'm dying. And that's what's so difficult and so hard. Okay, so that's really interesting. So coming off of sugar, meaning that you're not eating anything that has obvious sugar. Obvious sugar and simple carbs, yes. And simple carbs. Like... Wheat and <laughs> we're okay so yeah guys we're not going to get off this wheat conversation obviously for those of us who like our crackers and our bread and things like that this is not going to be so easy the reality is that if you've got symptoms start looking at solutions and a really easy obvious free solution is to remove wheat from your diet and see if you feel better. Wheat. It's yes. super That's simple and doesn't cost you anything. And you know, you can do it for a month and see how you feel. The same with the sugar. Do it for a month and just see what disappears. Another thing, for example, with the sugar, I recommend that everybody, every single person has a glucose meter. Well, not in a family, you have one, but test your sugar, not just fasting blood sugar, but after you have eaten like 15 minutes after or one hour after, see what kind of food that spikes your, your blood sugar. Okay, so we're gonna have to give some guidelines for this. If I've got a glucose meter, what am I looking for? What am I supposed to notice? Because it would be a number. I wouldn't know whether it was good, bad, indifferent. Do I want more of this or less of this? Yeah, you would not have more than, preferably not more than 80, whatever they, here, okay. I don't remember what they counted in. Um, in the morning, as fast fasting glucose, and after eating, it should preferably not go over 120, but it will probably will go a little bit. It depends on what you eat. But, okay. So, and we tested 15 minutes after eating. Yeah, and then an hour after. Oh, that's important. Okay. So now I've got this system. I like systems. Can you tell? All right. And so I'm looking for something. I want my fasting to feeding range to stay between 80 and 120. Yeah. If it's over 120, I want to look at what I just ate. Yes. What happens if it's under 80? 
Uh, not really. I mean, if it's too low, that's not good either. Okay. Uh, that is uh, what happens in uh, childhood diabetes. That they okay. So, so we're looking for to stay in this middle range. And we've been talking about the middle ranges today because it is in the middle. I mean, Buddha said, you know, having a string too loose on a violin doesn't give you a good tone. Having a string too tight on a violin gives you too high of a tone. It is the middle way. Yes. And so that's what we're talking about here when it comes to our glucose. We want to be the middle of this range. Yes. Because, for example, if you go to a normal doctor, they say that when you have, when you have a reading of 120, then you're diabetic. If you have a reading 119, you're not. I don't know what happens between 119 and 120, but it is proven that already, if you in fasting have like 110 or 112, can affect the retina in your eyes or the neuropathy in your feet or, 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 or hands too, for that matter. So it's very, very important. And that the diabetes is, an, that's an epidemic. And pre-diabetes is three times as much, and most of these people don't even know. So ticking time bombs. We have people walking around in pre-diabetic status who are unaware because they don't have symptoms that are obviously diabetic. Yeah. And a simple way to find out is to get yourself a glucose meter. Yes. And, and learn to use it. And okay. If you have, like, you're getting uh, too much fat around on your belly, that is, a, that is a sign of, of blood sugar imbalance and too much. Okay. So, um, it is important. important to check in with yourself. I, I also recommend that people do like food diaries, write what you feel, how you feel in the morning when you wake up, tired or do you have to hit the snooze button? Can you just say, hi, it's Monday. <laughs> And what to write down what you eat and how you feel and in the evening, how you feel in the evening. And cool. what it's a simple way to check yourself. Okay. Why do people avoid doing this? To just be aware of what they're eating and how they feel? Because they don't want to change. Ooh, that C word again, huh? Okay. All right, so we've got a question, and I'll, I think this may be, <clears throat> pardon me, this may be a good place to put it. Um, keto, I've heard a lot about the K-E-T-O, the keto eating plan, and the person who, uh, Cheryl, thank you, who put it in the chat, I think it's Cheryl, um, just a second, I'm going to check because uh, I want to give accurate credit, and it's Chris, yes. sorry, thank you. So Chris asked, he says, I have problems with casein, lactose intolerance. Now, we got to have a conversation about that in and of itself. And then soy. But is keto long-term good for you? Because keto has no soy in it, if I remember correctly. Now, soy is, if, soy has, definitely has to be organic, first of all, to eat. Okay. It has to be organic keto. Yes. And uh, keto is good, but not for too long because it can affect your hormones. Ah, okay. So if somebody is dealing with lactose intolerance and soy issues and keto helps them feel better, but it's not good long-term, what's the middle? 
because keto is pretty extreme. Yes. So what would be the middle way? Well, first of all, everybody is different. Ah. Remember that. But if we take the normal, first of all, is to eat less. <laughs> and second is, for example, a good diet, what I think is the um, South Beach diet. Because okay. it's, a, it's a balanced diet. You have some, some carbs. You don't totally have protein. With the keto, when I think about it, if you have problem with your bile production, then that, or if you have your gallbladder removed, then that okay. very then then eating fats and and high a lot of high protein is not good. That can All right. So we're gonna we're gonna call this what it is. It's a contraindication. If you have a bile deficiency, you've had your gallbladder removed, which is fifty percent of my family. Keto's not a good plan. No. I don't recall seeing that disclaimer out there. And it's a really important one. So this is when uh, you know, what works for some people may not work for you. Exactly. Okay. But I've really got a question now. I've got my gallbladder. How do I know if I've got enough bile? You would know because it has to do with the, um, how you, pr how you uh, process your fats when you eat fats. If you feel bad if you eat fats, you might have a problem with the bile. If you have acid reflux, then you may have too little uh, acid in your stomach, which will in turn affect the bile, how, how the bile is produced in the liver. So it's, it's, a, it's a system. It's a system, yes. <laughs> there we go, it's a thing. All right, we, we are human beings. We are not simple machines. And the current um, historic view of medicine as the human body as a machine has been debunked so many times. And yet so much of our medicine is still predicated on the fact that a long time ago, a man in France, came up with this system and we're not. It was um, a big deal to come into a world that says, I'm a unique point in the mind of God energetically. That means I am a unique physicality. I'm not a one size fits all. And I love that that's your approach to helping people understand that if they've got symptoms on the spectrum. They're struggling with being able to focus. They're struggling with being able to connect with the world and with other people, which is one of the symptoms of autism. There might be a solution simply by looking at their allergies. And the first place it sounds like to start, check your blood sugar. That's a good one. I like that. And the three ways to check your blood sugar, first thing in the morning, fasting, 15 minutes after you eat and an hour after you eat and keep a food diary. Know what you ate. Yes. You probably, most people probably know what they, um, they may not know what they subscribe to as far as newsletters in their email. So we're not going to use that as an example, but they probably know what money came into their bank account this month. Yes. 
<laughs> and so if you pay attention to what money is coming into your bank account each month, why are you not, why not pay as much attention or more as into what goes into your mouth? It is really the most important thing is, and, and Hippocrates was right. Everything starts in the gut. Ah, well, you know, I remember the quote, I think it must've been Aristotle who said, let thy food be thy medicine. Yes. Yeah, maybe. It, anyway, that is a big saying. So, and it is true. So, whichever one of these wise people from the past um, said that, if your food is unconscious, meaning you're paying no attention to it, how can that be your medicine? Cannot. Yeah. And if you eat everything out of a box, hmm. or picking it up with, you know where. <laughs> okay, if it's processed, out of a box, out of a can, if it's processed, or if someone else prepared it in a mass production of any kind. Yes. Did I catch what you meant? Yes, absolutely. And the other thing is it all has sugar too added. Okay, so I read somewhere, and you can tell me if this is accurate. I read somewhere that evolutionarily, the caveman was pre-programmed that if he found salt, if he found sugar, if he found fat, that his um, trigger that says you're full wouldn't fire. And he would gorge on the things that were hard to find in that day and age. Now, of course, this is way before refined sugar. And so what we're dealing with is an evolutionarily triggered that fat, salt, and sugar, especially in combination, and don't we love our salty, sweet stuff? Yeah, that that combination, think of kettle corn, um, you know, shuts down our natural rules of stopping consuming. Yes, uh, we destroy the, the lectins and the leptins, the, the hormones that make you feel hungry and make you stop when you're full. Okay, so it actually has a chemical basis that that combination destroys the signal that says you're full. Yeah. And I mean, we cause it often ourselves also by overeating and snacking. Oh. Yeah. I mean, I have... Um... I have people who have given me systems over the years. What is your system for eating? What would you advise someone who says, you know, I'm just thinking of maybe changing how I eat. What, where would they start? Well, as I said, eating organic, first of all. Okay. And make their own food. Organic and homemade. There are so many recipes and so much on TV that you can look at and learn how to cook and, and simple things. It doesn't have to be hard. And you can, you know, take a Sunday and cook for the whole week. All right, there we go. Organic, homemade, sugar-free without a sugar substitute. Yeah, if you do a sugar, sugar substitute, you can have stevia, but try to cut down on that too. I use stevia myself, even though I'm not, I'm not a sugar person. I don't have sugar cravings, but yeah, I want my coffee sweet. Aha, <laughs> uh -huh. organic coffee, I'm assuming. 
absolutely. Okay. So it's not so much that coffee is bad for everyone. It's just that most coffees have a lot of pesticides in them, which are bad for everyone. And some people are sensitive to coffee, which makes it bad for them. Exactly. And some people just drink too much. One cup a day is okay if you can tolerate it, but not more. So I've heard this before, and it was from another Eastern healing arts practitioner, actually one of my instructors, who's, who's with a proponent of one cup a day. Yeah. And it really is, is your body telling you this is a good idea? Yeah. And is your cup this big or this big? Yeah, uh, yeah exactly. So there, there's a lot here, but the reality is there's a middle way. It doesn't have to be all or nothing. And what you might notice, especially among your kids, is that these symptoms of autism and ADHD decline. I mean, if they can just pay attention, for autism, it's not only food because they have so many allergies. They can be allergic to paint in the walls or, or cleanings in the carpets or flame retardant or what they wash, shampoo, all these things. They have to really do a puzzle work, detective work. And, uh, the most important thing is to pay attention because I think if people would be more aware of what food can do, and pay attention to what happened when they go to different places. So one of the things that I know or have been told, I guess I don't know, but um, is that control what's easy to control first. And if you still have symptoms, then you start looking for things that might also contribute because I have a friend who had was highly sensitive, had highly sensitive chemical disorder or whatever they labeled it. What she found was that the cause was emotional trauma. And when she resolved the emotional trauma, she stopped being a highly sensitive person. So if you, if you have the label of an HSP, a highly sensitive person, don't get too attached because you might not be destined to have it forever. And it's the same, I think, with autism and with HDAD. Um, did I get that right? Hyperactivity, HAD, oh, AD, whatever. ADHD. Yeah, no, it's like I talked about uh, Anthony, Anthony Robinson. He even uh, wrote a book. He just wrote a book last year, I think it came out, um, about not being autistic anymore freedom from autism it's good it's called and it's on oh. so okay so we're gonna hunt up the link for that um yeah it's on amazon i don't have yeah, yeah it's, um, because it's interesting i think it's interesting for maybe teenagers who are on the spectrum and and high functional specifically because there i'm sure there are so many things that they can recognize themselves mm -hmm and understand what's, what's going on. The freedom to be curious in an age where we're so busy 
that we don't necessarily take the time to be curious about ourselves. And this journey is a journey into the inner world and to being curious about ourselves. And Inga, I cannot thank you enough for being willing to spend this time with us. And I want to make sure that everyone gets your gift. And so um, I think Katie might have already gotten it, but I was a little bit remiss. There it is. Yes, Katie got it. Oh, God, she beat me. Um, so this is a class on natural healing alternatives to reclaim your health in your life. And what a great gift that will help so many people. So thank you very much for sharing that with us. Thank you. And for being willing to hold your microphone. Yeah. <laughs> thank you very much. Yeah. So this is a beautiful journey into the fact that one size doesn't fit all, but some things are not good for anybody. So looking at the universal, look for where your pesticides and your fertilizers and your sugar may be impacting you without your knowledge. And then look for what you yourself as an individual might be reactive to. Start with yourself. Oh, yes, ma'am. There we go. Start with yourself. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Inga.